0: today in light of Christmas, we can approach the world differently, we can view the world differently, we can live differently, but we must understand what Christmas is really about. So for the next few minutes, I'd uh, like Cody and I to have a chance to kind of help you think through, maybe for the first time or maybe just for the most recent time, what Christmas really means and why this promise of peace on earth is real and it's true and how it can change us. And this is a great time of year to have this conversation because, well, I'll let Cody tell you what. What's
1: special about Christmas? Hi, by the way. How you doing? This is our sixth service. We've done it different every service. (laughs) I know. It started out with three different talks, then it went to one, and then it's two, and then here we are. We're going to get it right this service, though. I promise. Yeah, We're glad you're here. It's going to be fun. If not, we're going to do it again next service. By ourselves, just, yeah, me, it's and us. just it's me and it's me it's you. Good it's stuff.
0: So why is Christmas such a great time for us to have this conversation?
1: Yeah, so it seems to me that everybody, everybody loves Christmas. And for me, um, I have a love-hate relationship with the Christmas season. And if you've been around for a little bit, you know uh, you know why. is because during the Christmas season, I have a running tradition in which I either get sick or injured during Christmas. Uh, it's been a tradition I've held for a long time now. Started when I was a teenager, I had pneumonia, and then I had mono, and then the flu, and then uh, in the last few years, I've been really trying to mix it up a little bit. So uh, two years ago, right before this service, actually, right before the last service, uh, I wasn't feeling well, kind of had a stomach ache, and, <laughs> and it had been a long day already, but one of our friends who is a nurse was de- de- there during that service, and so I asked her, hey, what do you think's going on? And she said, you know, you may want to go to the ER in the ER for for a stomachache that seems a little bit much she said, no you really need to go get that checked out and so my brother-in-law literally drops me off at the door and heads back to the next service I go in there I think oh, you know whatever it's not that big a deal and they say we're gonna prep you for surgery oh what <laughs> uh it's Christmas Eve I have dinner after this and they said no no, no we're gonna go because you uh you, we need to remove your appendix oh you think i'll make it to the last service or how quick does this go like you guys think and uh i didn't make it to the last service and (laughs) and i think i woke up on christmas day just going huh this is not what i anticipated i think i had to uber home you guys were busy thank you for that we had
0: gifts to open i get it
1: very busy lots going on um and then last year I, uh, I tore my ACL during Christmas. That was a good time. <laughs> you were just a pansy. Yeah, no. I think it's a that's the stuff. message. I, there, I was uh, jumping on a trampoline with my kids, and I, then I remembered, oh, I'm old, and then there it goes. <laughs> and so I refused, absolutely refused to go to the hospital until after Christmas, in which I had my surgery on New Year's Day, because I am going to beat this thing, I tell you. And, uh, and we, uh, we keep the tradition alive. So, so we'll we're going
0: to drive him home carefully. afterwards just to get you in your house yes yes yes. sure it's okay I'll
1: let you know next week when you guys come back how everything went but here's the thing about Christmas is look I get it if you're not a religious person you're not sure about Jesus you don't know about all this stuff there is something about the Christmas season if you put away all the religious stuff there's something about the idea of Christmas that everybody loves everyone loves the idea of Christmas And I think it's because of the values that we place or the values that we have at Christmas, things like joy and charity and generosity and kindness and love, is everybody at Christmas agrees that we try to make the world a little bit more like it should be. In fact, we become people a little bit more like the people that we should be. And just for a moment, just for a season, we really strive to make ourselves and the world that place as it should be and this is of course not the only time that we do it we can see this throughout the years that we have this deep desire this really deep desire for the world to be better and I think that's what is Christmas is about but also about other things so uh, Doyle shared a story in between that song and the story would have been a horrible story if it ended with and he was depressed and died right you would have thought, well, that's not a good ending, because every great story has a happy ending. It's where good triumphs over evil. It's where there's justice in the end. It's where you have some redemption, some fairy tale ending, a happily ever after, and it's because it's another pointer to this desire that we have for the world to be better, for the world to be made right. In fact, I see this in the places that we love. So um, my my family, uh, my kids and my wife, they love Disneyland. I Go to Disneyland with them, and uh, and one of the reasons why I think they love Disneyland is because just for a moment they get a little bit of a little bit of a glimpse into the world how the world should be, right? They, they are treated like royalty. My daughter comes in and she's got her princess gown on, and she is a princess, and you couldn't tell her any different when she comes through those gates. And of course, there are churros on every corner. There is a. A parade and fireworks because it's Tuesday and that's how the world should be. <laughs> and there are those moments in which we experience the world as it should be. It, it can be different for all of us. Maybe it's a moment in which we are in the arms of a loved one or we're looking at a beautiful landscape and admiring the, just the magnitude of it all. Maybe it's in a moment in which you are doing something and you think, this is why I was created. This is my purpose. This is... This is just right. Everything is okay in the world for this moment. In fact, I I think our desire for the world to be that way is so strong that we do this thing called nostalgia. It happens a lot at Christmas time. Nostalgia is remembering the past as the good old days, as simpler times. See, if you went back in time and you were to relive those experiences, they wouldn't live up to how you remember them because you remember them better than they really were. And again, it's our deep desire to make the world right, even if we have to remember it being different. And so I think whether you're religious or not, whether you're not sure about all this stuff, we can all agree that we want the world to be a better place, that we want the the world to be as it should. We wanna become those people, but that of course is not the world that we have found ourselves in. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, if this is the world that we so desire, And those are the people that we want to be. And yet we find ourselves in a world that is far different than that. How do we get into this mess? Now, you may be thinking, look, I'm on vacation. I have a couple days off. And you want to talk about the problems of the world? And we're going to solve them right here? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what we're going to do right here. Because everybody has to deal with the problem of why the world isn't the way that it should be. And why... In fact, our families aren't the way. So this, this last week we had a great discussion um, with our staff and we talked about the things that we're most looking forward to and uh, about c- Christmas season. And then we also talked about the things that we were you know, not so excited about. And, and we had all different answers to the things that we were excited about and the traditions that we have. And then there was a universal answer to the thing that people were not looking forward to about Christmas. And it was one family member that they would see on Christmas Eve In which they had to see this person that they avoid their entire year they have to be faced with them They pretend like they like them. We know that they don't they're dramatic. They're going to cause issues last year. Oh gosh What a mess that was right? And by the way, um Those people in your life uh, In the church world, we call them egr which means extra grace required people These are the people that like really make us like jesus because we love the unlovable, you know
0: by, by the way, if, uh, if you're thinking and you don't know anybody in your family like
1: that. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have one of those in our family. I can't think of one. <laughs> huh, that's weird. Anyway, so, so the question is this, is how do we get in such a mess? How do we explain it, and and what's the answer going to be? And everybody has to have an answer to this question. This is one of the biggest (laughs) questions of life, and and whether you've thought about it or not, you have some sort of answer. And so there's one group of people that say, you know what, the world that you desire, this world where there is justice, in which there is generosity, and and there's joy, and there is love and kindness, yeah, that world is a fairy tale. It's not going to happen. It's made up. What you need to do is you need to realize that it is a violent and harsh world. In fact, that's how we got here. It's the survival of the fittest. And so the sooner that you realize that this world is tough, the sooner that you, that you, you face the reality, then you can get on with your life. Um, so there's one of my favorite poets. Uh, his name is Nas. He is a uh, 90s hip-hop artist. And... I think, he, I think he, he best, like, represents this view. And this is what he says. He says, life is hard, and then you die. That's why we get high. And I think that's correct. That's, yes. Yes, he is a philosopher. I don't know if they're clapping because they agree, or they are clapping because I, I ho- do I hope not, but yeah. I'm a little confused. We'll see. Okay, here we go. So there, there's, that. there's that view of the world. And to be honest, The people who advocate this this view of the world, they don't actually believe it because there is this intuition within us that believes that there is a right way and a wrong way for us to live our lives and for the world to be that we can't even live consistently even if we say we believe that. We still get up and we still love our kids and we still love our spouse and we still go to work and we pretend like we have meaning and purpose every single day because if you did not, you would be hopeless. There's no way you can live consistently with that view of the world. And so even those who say, you know what, it's a fairy tale world that you want to live in, they still act as if that world is possible. They still fight for justice and peace. There's another group of people, and I think this is where most Americans fall into, and and they say, yeah, the world is a mess, and you know how we're going to fix it? We, humanity, can create a better world. That If we can identify what the real issues are in the world and we fix those, then the world will be made right. And so we start to identify issues. Uh, Things like maybe it's uh, racial tension or it's uh, ideologies, it's politics, it's poor family backgrounds, it's income inequality, you name it, if we can identify it and we can fix it, then the world will be the place that it should be. Now, I'm not gonna say that we shouldn't strive. In fact, as Christians, we should be striving to make the world a better place. That, that's one of um, Jesus' commands to us, is to be peacemakers, to be people who, who, who create a society that flourishes. And yet, when I think about the weight that we have put on these issues, it seems to me like we have overestimated our ability and underestimated the problem. Let me ask you this. And I think this points, I think this is kind of makes my point more explicit, is if... If, he had, if, if Hitler had more self-esteem, better friends, and an education, do you think he would have been a sweetheart? No, right? Because it doesn't matter if you had changed all of those things and you had made all of those things um, great in his life. There was still something wrong with him. At his core, there was an issue with him. And so the problem, I think, is that we start to... Look at ourselves as the solution, but the scripture says no, 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 no Actually, the very opposite is true The scripture I think gives us the best Answer to why the world is like this Our desires are legitimate desires to see that kind of world. It's not a fairy tale Which is very uh, contra- uh, Contradicts the first view. It's not a fairy tale. You are supposed in fact You were created to live in that world a world of peace and unity and love and wholeness. That's why our soul desires it so much. And yet that's not the world we live in because we were also created to be in a relationship with our creator. See, Genesis gives us account, however you interpret it, as um, us being created by God and us being in this relationship with him and all of his creation is kind of interwoven and it's complete and it's whole and it's peaceful. It's, it's described as shalom in the scriptures. And that's what all of us are longing for. But the problem is that that was, that was broken when we decided that we did not want to submit to our heavenly father. Instead, um, we wanted to be our own authority. We wanted to be our own God. And so instead of having a loving relationship with him, that relationship has been broken and this thing called sin enters into the world. And sin is not a list of things that you can and cannot do. It's more of a spiritual disease that we are born with now in which we are naturally in rebellion up against our creator. Now, I think that everyone knows this to be true. And here's how, because you have spent time with at least one little kid in your life and you have come to realize that children are evil, (laughs) right? Little kids are evil. I have three kids at my house and I can tell you they're adorable. I love them so much and they are so evil. And I don't have to think for very long to think about the last bad thing that they did. In fact, um, last night, we were out to dinner after the services and and we're having a great time. And my my brother-in-law, Matt, he's playing with my middle child, Ezra, who's three, and they're having a great time. And then next thing I know, Ezra was bugged by something that Matt did. And so he stands up and throws a left hook at his jaw at dinner. And of course my response was, Matt, did you deserve it? What did you do? Right? And the other was, Nice shot, but we're not, you know, I, but that's, that's typical. It happens throughout the day. See, here's what's great about kids, or maybe not so great, is I have yet to meet a child in which you have to tell them, can you just be a little bit naughty? Like, you're always so good in following the rules. It's kind of annoying, you know? Could you just, could you just disobey once in a while? Not a problem, because every kid, your, their entire childhood is, uh, is about you trying to form them and shape them into Uh, not being little evil people, right? And so if we were to answer the question. They're not sure it's okay to laugh at that. I know, they're like, like Chucky? Like little evil people? (laughs) Like that? Yeah. I'm just kidding, you guys. I'm just kidding. Not really, you're not. I mean, sort of kidding. There's some truth. Anyway, all right, let's continue on. (laughs) If we were to kind of look at the bottom line of this whole deal, and we were to try to figure out, why is the world the way that it is? We all agree it's a mess, we all agree it needs fixing. The only thing that I think adequately explains the way the world is and the way that we are is that there is an issue with us. Because if you look at all the evil that has been done in the world, it has been done in every economic class, every system, race, environment, education, the only common denominator is that there is evil being done by people we are the common we are the problem and see this is not a popular be- like so this is not a popular belief in fact this goes against kind of what the the modern uh, sen- uh the modern uh uh give me words sensibility mindset no, worldview uh, help me people help uh, me i'm a uh, spider you know, there's gonna be a game show too I did. modern i don't know thought on the deal is everybody wants to believe that people in their core are sweethearts, they're good, and if you were just able to fix the external circumstances of their life, then everyone would do right. And yet, I don't think that adequately explains how we act and how we think and the problems that we see in the world. And so everyone is looking for peace. And if we ever want to have peace, the scripture says that we first have to have peace with our creator if we want to see peace with our community, with our friends, even this internal peace because we're constantly conflicted. The only peace is going to be possible when it begins with peace peace with our creator. So the last thing is this, is the scripture explains the how as well. The reason why Christians love Christmas is not just because of the warm fuzzies and all the things that we get to do and all the traditions we get to participate in. The reason why Christians love Christmas is because we know that it is us, humanity, being reconciled with our creator. See, uh, when Jesus was born, the angels came and they announced good news of great joy for all the people. You know what they didn't say when they announced Jesus' birth? They didn't say, hey, straighten up. Get your act together. Get to church, you heathens. I, I would have wrote that. That's a good, no, that's a good message for sure, but that's, that's not what he said. <laughs> the angels said, no, 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 this is good News for all the people that means everybody on earth should be excited about this news It's not advice. It's news. It's an announcement And here's why everyone should be excited because all the desires that are so intuitive to us about desiring a world to A full of peace and joy and love and kindness and generosity That's not just a fairy tale That actually is a reality and all the questions that we have that we constantly wrestle with, we don't have to question anymore. Like, like the biggest question, is there a God out there? Christmas answers that question and says the invisible God has been made visible. That you can now tangibly see the creator of the universe. It also says that the shame and the guilt and the regret and just all the past mistakes that you've done that you've tried to make up for and all the different ways you try to atone for it, you don't have to, you don't have to, You don't have to hold that anymore, that you can let that go, that you can be forgiven of all that stuff, and you can have hope and purpose, that whatever pain you experience in this life is not pointless, that there is hope, that there is redemption, that this life is not all that there is, that there actually can be the happily ever after ending that we so love in our stories can be a reality in our own lives. I think that's why Matthew says, in his name, the nations will put their hope. Because the entire world knows we're a mess, that the world is a mess, that you and I, we're messy. And yet, there's another group of people that have realized not only we're a mess, but there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that this world has to offer. There's no self-help, there's no trying harder that's going to make it better. I can't fix me and you can't fix you. And so that's why Christians come and they say, you know what, I I don't want to try to fix me anymore because it hasn't worked. I'm not going to fix the world. There's got to be something bigger than me. There's got to be something bigger than the government. There's got to be something bigger than whatever is in this world. There's got to be something that comes from the outside and fixes this mess. And that's why they say that Jesus is the hope, that Jesus is their only Savior. And so that's kind of the how. That is the, the, that is the big idea of Christmas. That is the, 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 the tough questions, the big questions. But I want to bring it down now. How do we make that a practical reality in our own life?
0: have you ever noticed that different people open Christmas gifts different ways? There's the rip and tear people, right? There's rip, you know papers flying everywhere. There's the other. Neat. My grandparents were great. My grandfather's construction guy, his whole life, big dude, and he was so cute because when he got a gift, he would take the ever-present pocket knife out, flip out that one blade that had been sharpened so many times it was almost a toothpick, right? And he would just gently, every place there was a piece of tape, he would cut it. An excruciatingly long time. <coughs> excuse me. He would, uh, he would finally get it open, and then it, it still wasn't open. Like, we're all going, Grandpa, it's a pair of socks. We all know it. Just open the thing. But um, <coughs> he would then take the paper off gently and hand it to my grandmother. And because they both lived through two wars and the Depression, my grandmother would take it and gently fold it, not adding any new creases, you understand. And we waited for her to pull it, fold it and put it aside. And we thought it was because of depression. It turns out she was a hoarder and just <laughs> kept stuff which I've also inherited. But anyway, um, so So here's what never happened. They excruciating a long time of cutting and and opening and folding, and then they never once just put the package down. You know what they did next? They opened it. Well, duh, right? Here's the problem with the way we celebrate Christmas more often than not, certainly the way the world we live in, and sometimes us, is we celebrate the wrapping paper. We celebrate. We even sing about it. Oh, Christmas tree. Uh, Christmas is not about Christmas trees. They're fine. They're nice. I like them. It's not the point of Christmas, nor is the wrapping paper, nor is the lights, nor are even the songs. The point of Christmas is the gift, and the gift was Jesus Christ. He was the gift. He didn't come to just bring it. He came to have a relationship with us. Came as a baby, not as God Almighty, because that would freak us out. Came as a baby, because we could fall in love with him that way. Grew up to be a savior so we can understand we needed forgiving. We needed something we couldn't do for ourselves. He was resurrected so we know that this life isn't all there is. <coughs> that there's something beyond, beyond death. So how do you unwrap Christmas gift for real? Maybe for the first time or maybe just the most recent time. How do you unwrap it? You unwrap it, first of all, by believing. It's a word I've seen a lot this Christmas. But it doesn't always refer to anything. It's just the word believe. As if just believing anything is enough. Just believe. Believe in the guy in the red suit. Believe in the Christmas. I, I went into uh, uh, Panera the other day to get a little health food. And uh, it was early in the morning. They had just opened. And the young lady came out from the back to, to wait on me, and she skipped. This is an adult. Skipped to the register. Being the Christmas person that I am and a local pastor, I said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> why, why are you skipping And What are you so happy about? response was, it's Christmas. And again, I ask, what is wrong with you? Well, I must have the Christmas spirit. And on my way home, I thought, what is the Christmas spirit? Is there such a thing? I know the Holy Spirit. I know spirits. I mean, I don't know, but I know, I've heard of. What is the Christmas spirit? Is the warm fuzzies we all get trying to do good for each other? It's nice, but... But that's not what we're supposed to believe in. We're supposed to believe in the Christ child. That is the point, to believe in the baby, that he was who he said he would be, that he was the one predicted throughout the Old Testament. To believe is to trust. Think about Joseph and Mary. Their belief wasn't just, yeah, okay, uh, I give intellectual assent to this thing, right? Is that enough just to believe that Jesus was a person that actually lived on the earth, or even to believe in the virgin birth? It's to believe why he came, and that it applies to you. Think about Joseph. He likes Mary down the block. They kind of liked each other for a long time since the seventh grade, which is like two years ago for Mary probably, and and they're getting married. And then one day, you're what? You. It, I, it, And Joseph, being a really good guy, knows the baby's not his. And he's going to, the Bible says, he was going to quietly just walk away. Not embarrass her, not make a big deal, just quietly step away. And then one night in a dream, an angel came to him and told him that this child is of God, and you're to take her and to love her and to care for her and do all you're supposed to do. He gets up the next day. He doesn't call his friends, ask them what they think. He doesn't make a pros and cons list. He trusts God. And he, does. he doesn't He does even say anything. He just gets up and does what God told him to do through the angel because he trusted the character of God. If there is a God who can create all of this and create you and I and then came to tell us he created it and to reconcile us with himself, you can trust him. A part of trusting, by the way, is about, it's about not just choosing, yeah, I think I believe, but it's, it's about submitting your will to his. Think about Mary, Joe, her fiance, good guy works hard, that guy, got rough hands, but he's got a tender heart, Joe. And suddenly, she's got the house figured out. She's got the color picked out for the living room after they get married, and suddenly an angel shows up and is just changing the whole thing. She's got her plans, and yet the angel says, no, this is what's gonna happen. She says, no, it's not, because I know how that had, and I had, and it's no. And the angel says, yes, it is. And here's what she says. She puts all of her plans and her dreams, and her perfectly little mapped out life aside, and she says, may it be to me as you have said. Knowing that we can trust God and that his will for our life, his agenda for our life, his plan for our life is better than ours ever could be. That's what it means to believe. I also like um, the wise men or the magi. Because believing is not just about acknowledging and about trusting and about submitting my will to God's will. It's also about worshiping God. The magi came from far away. They had probably learned about the coming Messiah through the Israelites hundreds of years earlier who had been taken captive there, and their scholars had learned from them and kept passing the wisdom down generation and generation. And so when the star appeared, they knew what that was referring to, and they came all the way, and they bowed down, and they worshiped, you, saying, okay, cool. No, 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 no. The word magi or wise men is sometimes translated kings, we three kings. There is some interest in that word. They weren't just well educated they were well healed if you will they were probably wealthy and might have even been rulers of the nation they were from the top strata of their nation socioeconomically and yet they traveled and they came and they knelt down this is powerful for us who live in the most wealthy nation probably in the history of the world we have more than we could ever really need by world standards every one of us in this room is rich And yet, if you're like me on a regular basis, your stuff gets hold of you. Your achievements get hold of you. Your ego gets hold of you. And you, like me, have to come back again and bow down and remember God is God. And I am not. And my stuff is not. And my achievements are not. My aspirations and my plans are not. God is God. And that is a hard thing for us in the West and in the United States to do. But that's a part of believing. What happens when you believe? you receive. It's not a, it's not like a it's not like a, a, a transaction where where I believe these four things and, and God gives me peace. It's as I develop this relationship. I believe he is who he said he was, and I begin to talk to him, and I begin to read his word, and I begin to grow in that relationship. Suddenly, peace begins to appear in my life that I can't explain where it came from, and I can't explain why it's there, but I know it's real. The Bible says it passes all understanding. In other words, it is a gift from God, just like Christmas is a gift from God. It starts inside. It starts with a relationship with Christ, And it's not about the wrapping paper. Well then, peace on earth. He didn't come to just blanket peace on earth because he'd have to wipe us out to do it. (laughs) He came to start in your heart in my heart. And as you and I choose to accept and unwrap that gift to believe and to worship, then we begin to receive peace. There's this guy, Simeon. It's kind of how Luke closes out the story of Christ's birth, he and a woman named Anna. Simeon is at temple courts, and they take baby Jesus to the temple courts, and and he sees the baby, and he is a devout person, a person who wants to know God and wants God's best, and he feels like God has promised him that before he dies, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who will bring peace, would arrive. He sees Jesus, and he takes him, And he sees what he's been looking for. This is, And he says this crazy thing. He says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What he's really saying is, I can die in peace. We all think he's an old man. We think he's just been hanging on for this moment. It doesn't say how old he was. He might have been a young man. Here's what he does know, that when he sees the gift of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God embodied in Christ, he knows there will never be anything greater in his life. I, I have a few years left, I think. I expect some really good things to happen. More grandchildren. But I think there could be more things that will happen in my life. But I have to tell you honestly that if nothing good ever happens beyond this point, I have seen Jesus. I have seen his forgiveness. I have seen the Christmas story and understood what it means for me. And that's more than I ever deserved. And if we leave Christmas just with warm fuzzies and fond memories and big bills, we have missed the point. We must leave Christmas realizing, like Simeon, we have seen God's promise of forgiveness and grace, and because of that, we have peace. It starts with us, and then it works its way out. I was thinking about that song Onido was singing a moment ago. I heard the bells, and the more I thought about that, the more I thought about another song that we sing at Christmas, and I wondered if they were contemporaries because of one of the verses in that song. And I looked it up and they they were kind of, the the other song was written 20 years earlier in France, but because the Catholic church didn't like the person who wrote it and the one who orchestrated it, they outlawed it from worship service. So it was just sung among, among peasants. And yet there was an American 20 years later during the middle of the civil war traveling in France and heard this song, especially one particular verse. And he happened to be, be an abolitionist and he heard this song, and this song is about Christmas, how Christmas sets us free, how Christmas can bring peace. And he believed it, and he brought it home, and he began to sing it, and now we sing it, and we know it. And my prayer is that this year, this song that you're about to hear will become true for you in this place at this time, and you will be set free, and you'll experience real peace. Let's pray. Lord God, today... I don't have the ability to write poems, to orchestrate music and melodies. But Lord, I have what all of us have. I have the ability to say thank you. And so today, right here on this day, I say thank you. I say thank you for coming. I say thank you for coming, not just to be an example to us, but you came As a baby, born in a manger, to grow and be a Savior who died on a cross. To be resurrected from a grave, all so that I could be forgiven and reconciled to you and live with you forever in heaven. I believe this. I trust this. I worship you because of this. And I accept your peace. And I pray for anyone here today who has never opened that most wonderful gift of Christmas I pray that they, right now, in this place, at this time, would accept that gift that was given on that holy night. In Jesus' name, amen.